Hi, I'm Ethan Wagner, Chief Editor for Excelsior. Before we get into the podcast, I just wanted to read some of Horace Mann's community guidelines. Speak from the eye perspective. Listen for understanding. Assume complexity. Expect and accept a lack of closure. And learning leaves story stay. Thank you so much for tuning in, and let's get into it. Welcome to Excelsior Episode 2. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Wasserberger. I'm joined by Alexi Lee and Mr. Caldwell. Today, we're going to be talking about the recently released Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, it was a very long and very arduous process to get this cut here, but we finally have the four-hour-long film. So let's talk about it. Uh, right off the bat, what are our general reactions to the movie? Alexa, you want to start us off? Yep. Um, I am, as we all know, a DC fan. Um, I have two opinions on it. One is an objective and one a subjective. Um, I think that the movie had one major flaw, and that was the portrayal of Batman. And for me, that's a really big flaw because not only is he one of the big three in the DC universe in terms of the superhero trinity, um, he's also one of the original seven and probably one of the most well-known heroes uh, just in general. Um, So... For me, that impacted my viewing of the movie a lot. And actually, if I were to give it a grade, it would be a C. Um, However, if I were to sort of ignore that and um, not weigh on the fact that Batman is my favorite hero of all time, I would say that overall, aside from that, it probably was like B plus, A minus. I thought that it was a vast major improvement over the Josh Whedon cut in 2017. Yeah, I think that's fair. Mr. Caldwell, you want to you go next? It's interesting. And obviously, you know, we're, we're breaking this up into two sections. And so a large part of this will be related to some of the issues that we talk about in part two of this uh, podcast as we deal with the sort of drama behind the movie. Um, and the instances of, of, of racism and misogyny and some of the allegations leveled against Warner Brothers and um, more specifically, um, Joss Whedon. Um, that said, even taking all that out of it, when I think about this movie, I thought about how I felt when it was over. And ultimately when it was over, I felt I enjoyed the movie. I walked out in a good mood. I thought that for the most part, they got the characters right. Um, it was very clear to see that they just mangled the storyline in the first cut. And this cut, while long, made sense for the most part. You understood what all the characters were doing. You understood their motivations. Um, Cyborg plays such a huge role in this. He's the center of the film, whereas before, he's almost an afterthought. Um, while the movie, so it's so funny, the things that Alexi has issues with. Zack Snyder definitely loves slow motion a little bit too much. That said, it obviously, it it honestly wasn't overly distracting. I thought that it was still very good. Um, I'll save my final grade till the end, but ultimately I liked the movie. Yeah, I think for me, so like Alexi, Batman is one of my favorite heroes. And if not for... Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Iron Man, Batman would be my favorite hero. Um, 
what makes him so remarkable to me is that as a human with no powers and just a man full of dedication and commitment, he really can do anything. Um, and so, as Alexei said, in Zack Snyder's Justice League, he is very far from that persona. He really is just the rich benefactor of a bunch of other people. Overall, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the, there are some moments in that movie that I think are what I'd call S-tier for any comic book or action movie, anything on that scale. So I thought there were some really amazing moments. There was definitely a lot of stuff that that I, I would have changed and a lot of stuff that I think you could have cut out to bring it under four hours and however many minutes it was. But overall, I really enjoyed it. And as Mr. Caldwell said, I left feeling satisfied. Um, so for me, it's a solid A minus. Uh, but let's get into it. Let's know some more some more specifics. So I think let's just talk about it as compared to the original version first, right? In terms of plot, character development, story. Uh, Mr. Caldwell, you brought up the development of Cyborg in Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think that's a great place to start off. We'd heard a lot of comments from, from Snyder himself that Ray Fisher was meant to be the heart of the film. Um, and, that was in that, and that was changed in, in the Joss Whedon cut. But in, in Snyder's cut, that, that representation is really pronounced. And it's Cyborg who brings or helps bring the League together. It's Cyborg who keeps the League together. And it's Cyborg that the entire plot of the movie revolves around. Without him, there is scientifically no way they could have won. Um, which I think is interesting. You know, Cyborg is traditionally one of DC's more sidelined characters. I mean, his main role is as a member of the Teen Titans, which, while a big thing, doesn't have the same staying power as something like the Justice League. Um, so I thought we did a really good job bringing his character to the forefront of this movie. But what do you guys think? I do agree. I actually really enjoyed the portrayal of Cyborg, with the exception that um, he looked a little smaller than he's normally portrayed uh, um, but that's more of a small thing and I, it's understandable um i actually think that they did a very good job of not only portraying victor um himself as a human but um cyborg as well uh, they really nailed the sort of father-son dynamic he has with his uh um and it's sort of I feel as if in the original version, it we didn't we knew there was some sort of feud between father and son, but we didn't understand what it was because of the fact that it was so cut down, and um, we we sort of just saw this half man half cyborg thing be angry at his scientist scientist father, but we're not really sure why. We don't understand much about the character, and. I was just glad to see that we got to see his, um, almost a full origin story for Cyborg in this movie. And I also uh, really enjoyed that uh, he became sort of the central uh, solution for the sort of fighting um, dark side sort of oncoming invasion. And um, I think that they did a very good job of not uh, overusing him as well. Like he wasn't the solution for everything. He was the main solution, but he sort of didn't outshine anyone else. I guess for me, what was so interesting was the character was so watered down before and literally to link him to everything. And, and also to give him a relationship to people, a personal relationship 
to people in the story, whereas they actually cared about him. Like it was, it was very interesting in that in the other movie, it was, and I get it, but not very well executed. It was all about Superman and bringing Superman back to life. Whereas here, yes, Superman clearly helped them and Superman was important to them winning, but they also would not have won without Cyborg. The same could be true of Barry as well. Um, you know, those three characters were integral to the success of the Justice League. But then also, once again, because of the fact that Victor gets more screen time and we see his interactions, characters like Barry and Aquaman really do care about Victor, not only Wonder Woman. In the other story, it seems only if Wonder Woman really cares, but even that is sort of superficial. Everyone sort of really cares about what happens to Victor. And we also care as an audience when we, A, we see where he began and now where he's ended and we see his journey. It's pretty cool. And Victor is someone that ultimately we like because he starts off, well, I guess clearly he's a genius and he's a really gifted athlete. He's still a person when he starts off. And so we can all kind of identify with him and kind of identify with what if everything was taken away from us? What if I was pretty much disfigured in this horrible accident and I also lost my mom? So I, I thought that they did a very good job of portraying that. So instead of this sort of angsty creature walking around, we get this more fleshed out character. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you hit on a, on a good point, which is in the original film, for whatever reason, they decided to do away with the whole Justice League thing right. and just made it, all right, well, Superman's gonna fly in, Superman's gonna save the day. And that for me was one of the biggest uh, gripes I have with the original cut. It's the same gripe I have with Captain Marvel uh, blowing up Thanos' entire ship in Endgame and basically doing all of the work of the literally thousands of Avengers who show up uh, just herself. Because for me at least, the, the fight in Just League, no one's fighting Darkseid. They're fighting Steppenwolf, who I guess in the comics is a big deal, but for the average viewer, he's just some alien dude that's that's like the the forerunner for dark sides invasion right okay sounds menacing but when you take five of the most recognizable characters in pop culture history and not a single one of them can land a blow on him and then superman shows up reanimated like a day ago and he single-handedly beats seth Moore without getting a hit on him that to me was ridiculous oh uh, so i did really like that it, in the slander cut it takes cyborg almost sacrificing himself it takes barry literally running the world back through time and it takes superman wonder woman and diana uh to, to do the physical fighting of steppenwolf if you notice batman has no role uh in the final fight which, which we can get into all all he does is he he does one roll on the ground throws a grenade and shoots a, a couple parademons with a gun which is very un-Batman-like to begin with. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I thought, I thought we did a good job making it feel like more of a league, more of them acting as a cohesive team, rather than just one dude flying down from the sky uh, and, and fighting Steppenwolf. Um, yeah, I think Jordan makes a good point. And um, I think that they actually did a very good job, considering that... Um, when we typically think of the original seven of the justice league it's not really who was portrayed in the movie um it's normally batman superman wonder woman flash 
um, Martian Manhunter, Hawkgirl, and Green Lantern. And I think that they did a very good job of sort of um, bringing everybody into sort of an equal role uh, in a way that sort of portrayed everyone in a very good way, um, with the exception to Batman, which, right. as Jordan and I said, was portrayed as just this really rich person who is funding this sort of operation, which is completely unlike his character. Um, I actually very much dislike uh, Zack Snyder's Batman, um, not only in this Justice League, but also in Batman vs. Superman, where we see him using guns and and killing people, which is literally one of Batman's biggest things that he does not do. He doesn't use guns. He doesn't kill. Um, additionally, Jordan and I said that um, we discussed this, but uh, we said that in the movie, Batman, he really looks like uh, this DC version of Iron Man. It looks like he was he's relying on these suits and gadgets to help him fight. But Batman is supposed to be this person who's in, mastered all the all art form, martial arts forms and is this almost superhuman. Like he is p the peak human. And he sort of is this big brain, this physical character, but we see none of that. We, uh, we don't see his brooding nature, his sort of menace that makes criminals fear him. All we see is this sort of rich guy who's gathering all these really powerful people, but we don't see Batman, we see Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I think that's a really good distinction. In literally every other incarnation of Batman, he is a master strategist. He has prepared and planned for literally every possible outcome. He is he he may design suits and gadgets and whatever to help him in those plans, but the the core of everything he does is his brain, his heart, and his strength three things that are distinctly missing from Ben Affleck's Batman. It's not Ben Affleck's fault. I think Ben Affleck's a phenomenal Bruce Wayne. And I think he does have a couple of good scenes, especially in Batman v Superman, the whole warehouse fight. That's great. But my biggest problem with this movie is throughout every story of Batman, he is always prepared. And with that preparation, he can then do whatever. He's gone toe to toe with Darkseid and Superman and all the most powerful characters of DC. And he's won every time because of his preparation and all of that in this movie what so for batman v superman he has three weeks to prepare for the fight and in those three weeks he goes to the ends of the earth creates a suit capable of blocking superman's punch and gets enough kryptonite to make a spear and grenades in this movie he had over two years to do to do anything but he waits until the last possible second to start forming the justice league really because like, he knew this was coming since the end of Batman v Superman when he talks to Lex Luthor. And DC does the same thing Marvel does where it tracks with uh, the way our timeline works. So that's in 2016. This is end of 2017 now. And Batman's just done nothing for a year knowing this was coming. I don't know. To me, as Lex said, it felt like they just wanted to copy Iron Man. And coincidentally, Lex and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago. The MCU writers, when writing Iron Man in the latter half of the MCU, right, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, they wrote a better Batman. Like, that is what Batman should be like. A very paranoid, dark guy who's you know, just trying to be prepared for every possible outcome. Uh, Mr. Caldwell, you want to weigh in? It's, it's funny, and 
And it's not that I don't like Batman. I like Batman very much as, as DC characters go. He, he's probably my favorite DC character. I'm a big Marvel fan. And I certainly understand what it's like to have a character kind of trampled in the movies. You know, and, and, and I'm a huge X-Men fan. Cyclops is my favorite superhero of all time. And I firmly, certainly felt he got abused in X-Men 2, X-Men 3, and X-Men Origins Wolverine. You know, I, I famously like X-Men Apocalypse mainly because they, they give my guy Scott just a little bit better, you know? And in Days of Future Past, they brought him back. So I understand, you know, what you're saying. I, I guess I, I did feel that Batman was more menacing, or rather it's not, no, wrong. He wasn't menacing. I felt like the rest of the Justice League respected him, much mm. like do respect him in the comic books, yes. The, the menacing aspect of it was taken away. And he wasn't as feared and certainly didn't do quite as much. There wasn't as much savagery to his character. And no, he wasn't necessarily the detective. He was more the facilitator. Yeah. Um, and, and bringing people together. However, I felt that The, the, whereas in the first cut of the movie, I, I, I felt like they did too many things and it was almost this forced, let's get Batman to try to make us laugh. Like I remember the, very distinctly the scene where Superman comes back in the first cut and Batman is thrown into the car and Superman leaves and Batman kind of makes a joke after Superman almost crippled him. And, it seemed very forced. I didn't believe it. I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Whereas Batman is still very serious and ironically enough, still has very much hope and people respect him, but is still, is still worried about the worst taking place. And I guess, and I know a lot of people were not fans of the future um, Easter egg at the end, but I was because it showed yeah, me the too. grizzled Batman that we see that's that's on the run. He's amongst the last of the superheroes. You know, he's got a he's 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 he's. You could tell he's the leader at this point, both emotionally and spiritually of the team. And it's this grittier kind of version. So I don't know. I was kind of mixed. I guess I, I, I really did like Ben Affleck's portrayal. So maybe that's the thing that's, mm. I'm not as angry about it, you know, because I think that, and I hated Batman versus Superman with the burning <laughs> passion, but the Batman warehouse scene is amazing. And it, um, undeniably. So I but, guess for me, I like Ben Affleck's portrayal of Batman and maybe that's why I didn't have the same reactions that you and Alexa I did. Look, I love the nightmare sequence. Just um, my favorite comic book run, or uh, one of my favorite comic book runs is Injustice. So anything where it's that right. style of a story, uh, I'm a huge fan of automatically. And I, I, I thought Batman was great. Even when he's telling Joker he's going to kill him, I thought, right. you know what, at this point in his life, like that's probably in character, whether he does it or not is a different story, but right. making that threat, I think I think was in character. 
uh, and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I, I love that. It's, I, again, it's sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no, no. you can continue your point. I'll, I'll jump. Well, say. Yeah, it's not so much that I hated Ben Affleck's portrayal of that. I don't. I genuinely don't think it's his fault. He didn't write the movie. He didn't storyboard it. That's not on him. But for me, my favorite Batman of all time is the Arkham series Batman from the video games, which I know is a little weird, a weird direction to take. But for me, that Batman embodies the best of Batman. He is constantly planning, constantly strategizing, while at the same time, he's this ferocious fighter who is, you know, at least by the end of the trilogy, genuinely savage. Right? He is on the brink of losing his way, but he pulls himself back and, and does the right thing and whatever. Um, Christian Bale is up there. I think he was an amazing Batman mm-hmm for what Christopher Nolan wanted to do, which was to bring Batman into a realistic setting and just make a self-contained, very grounded story. I just, there are so many great qualities about Batman. And for me, the writers of Justice League put none of them in the mood. Batman, I get it, right? In today's day and age, if you want to make a superhero movie, you feel like it has to be humorous, sure. But that shouldn't be the case especially for Batman. This is a guy whose story starts out watching his parents die. In in the Snyderverse, he's also watched his son and adopted daughter die. There is no element of Bruce Wayne by the time Justice League happens that has humor left in his body. So for me, that was odd. And when he's making jokes like, what's your superpower? I'm rich. Or when all he does is fly a plane and shoot some missiles or drive a tank through a sewer system, like, sure, it looks cool. Okay, yeah, Batman's doing all this stuff and, and he's building all these things and he's using, you know, Wayne, uh, Wayne tech for good. Fine, whatever. But Batman throws maybe three punches in, in, in a movie about Batman? I don't know. It's just, there's so many ways they could have used the character well. And it felt like they just wanted it to be about the super-powered people and have some cool special effects and whatever, and not really get at you know one of the more important parts of the Justice League, which is Batman holding his own amongst gods and metahumans and whatever. And folk base didn't want to put in the effort to do that. Yeah. Also, you, you wanted to say something? I agree with Jordan. I think that for someone um, who's one of the most famous quotes uh, of from Batman is, I am vengeance, I am the knight, I am Batman. Um, he isn't this very cheerful character. He's this person who's been burdened by the death of his parents since childhood. And his whole crusade is sort of to bring justice um, to and sort of try to end crime. And he does this through fear and sort of this creating this myth of the Batman. Um, he's feared by criminals for a reason. He's not the, just this super rich guy. I mean, he uses his family's money to help him fight crime. But Batman the person is ultimately what wins in the end. His brilliant strategy planning, his uh, use of martial arts. He's just, there's a reason why he's in the, he's one of the original seven. And oftentimes the reason why the Justice League will win against almost anybody. It's because of Batman. And I think that the movie just did not utilize him enough. 
Um, however, in terms of the post credit scene, I also enjoyed that. I thought they did a very good job mm-hmm. of it. Um, I really enjoyed that little poke at uh, the Jason Todd Robin mm-hmm. um, hinting at him. Um, I I also um, think that that they did a good portrayal of the Dark Knight Returns Batman in there. Um, and that I was actually quite happy about. My gripes with Batman was actually within the movie itself. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I think you made a really interesting point about like Batman as a person. Because as you were as you were saying that, I was instantly reminded of how in every one of the Nolan Batman movies, there was a moment where Bruce has no suit. Uh, no gadgets and he is still Batman right and Batman begins you have the fight where it's him against Ra's al Ghul at Wayne Manor during the Wayne like dinner gala in the dark night you have the scene where Batman purposely gets new or Bruce Wayne purposely gets into a car accident to stop the death of um of one of it's one of the guys on tv or some news reporter or something and in the dark night rises you have the very famous scene of Bruce Wayne um training recovering from his broken back and then climbing out of the pit uh in in west africa and all of that represents that batman's person is so much bigger than his suit or any gadget that he has so i totally agree that that part of him was sorely missing uh from from the justice league and batman v superman uh iterations of the character before we move on mr caldwell do you want to add anything no, no, no. I think we should. Um, uh, so I think what well, we've hit Cyborg, we've hit Batman. Let's talk about some Flash. There's, I guess, yeah. We hit. That's it. Flash. All right. So let's do. Let's do Flash. Um. So obviously, we got a lot more development of Barry Allen in the in the Snyder Cut. Uh, yes. uh, in, uh, as opposed to the Weeding Cut, we got the beginnings of his story with Iris, which, although a little a little weird, we can talk about that in a bit. <laughs> it was nice to. It was nice to see. Uh, we got some a lot of scenes of him and his father mm-hmm. um which i which were very touching and we got barry really coming into his own by the end of the film and becoming the flash um so let's, we can kind of take those one at a time so let's start with with his first interaction with who we all presume to be iris west uh mr caldwell you want to go first on, on that was, on that scene it, it's funny right because i it's it's when I get my final grade of the movie, people are going to be shocked because I'm about to criticize this. Because once again, <laughs> I did like the movie, right? And, and ultimately, I liked this. What I liked about the scene was they accurately portrayed what it must be like to be Barry Allen. Right. Like how the world, how he perceives the world around him because of his powers. And literally, because he's tapping into the speed force, what does that mean? It's more than just super speed. It's literally how he perceives the world around him as he moves throughout the world. However, <laughs> and once again, <clears throat> cinematically, it was gorgeous. And I can only imagine what it would have been like to see this in like IMAX or something. It would have been great. Oh, Zack Snyder in slow motion. I was like, okay, I get it. This is way too long. I, don't, I, I, I was tempted to go back in preparation for this podcast to time it, to see how long it took. It was ridiculous. On the same token, it was very touching. I, 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 I care about Barry. On the same token, it just 
it led to the credence of that this movie really needed to be four hours long. <laughs> Look, so someone did the math and found out that a full 10% of Justice League is in slow motion. 10% <laughs> of the film. Like, I've seen 300. I get that. So that's 24 minutes. That's, 20, right. that's, 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 that's 24 minutes. minutes. That's 24 minutes. <laughs> they could have made this movie three and a half hours, but just because Zack Snyder wanted slow-mo, they pushed it to four minutes. No, that, that from a technical perspective... Is that really Jordan? Is that, is yeah. that accurate? Yeah, no, it's, oh it's my, 10% oh of the Oh my movie. goodness. From a, yeah, from a technical <laughs> perspective, I mean, I get it, Zach. You want to have a distinctive style, but come on. Like, use colors, use framing. Don't just artificially extend the length of your films. Um, but but I, I guess I'll go now on that scene. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Like, it was nice, especially going from the CW Flash show where Iris West is by far one of the most annoying human beings on the planet. And her relationship with Barry acts only as a roadblock for the plot, and it just slows everything down. I thought this moment was really nice, and if their relationship is kind of going to be how that moment feels, if that makes sense, it's very sweet, tender, loving thing. I think that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm totally here for it. At the same time, my issues with the scene, just coming from the way they did it, because the film switches from, okay, we're going to adhere to how this would actually work, and we want this to seem cool and romantic. <laughs> I they know where you're going. back and forth about six times. They have this really great shot where Barry's shoes disintegrate as he turns to rock. Yes. Which is really cool. Okay. But then all of Barry's clothes are fine. Oh, his flannel t-shirt, his flannel t-shirt is completely fine. And then they make a point of showing the lightning go all around Barry as he moves. And, and, and in contrast to literally every iteration <laughs> of The Flash ever, they make the lightning this organic, almost living organism. Like it's stretching out and it's you know hitting the walls of the speed force as Barry's running. Fine, take whatever artistic liberties you want, but don't have that happen in a pet store because there is no universe where I could essentially set off a lightning storm inside of a pet store and have everything be okay. So like, I, I, I kind of just wish they'd picked a lane. Either we're going to have this look cool and whatever, just suspend your disbelief, or this is going to be realistic um, with like the shoes disintegrating and whatever. It just, it felt to me, I was watching it and I was totally taken out of the emotion of the scene because I was like, hold on a second. You just made a point of showing his clothes disintegrate, but now his clothes aren't disintegrating. Like what's going on here, Zach? I don't know. To me, it it felt a little disjointed. Other than that, nice introduction to Barry. Uh, It was also nice to see him like acting as a kid, trying to get a job uh, right out of high, right out of I was right out of high school and like his freshman year of college, whatever, so he can pay for college to get a law degree to help his dad. It was nice seeing the Barry Allen side of the Flash, as opposed to what we got in just the the weeding cut, which was somehow Barry Allen has built a friction resistant suit by himself um, as a again broke college kid. But, but whatever, I I I. I Really quickly, and then I'll, I'll pass over to Alexa. I think what I also like is to the importance of Barry Allen's powers not being reduced to a punchline into mm. the, the movie for something where, you know what, I'll gladly give up 
or gladly accept Zack Snyder's 24 minutes of slow motion <laughs> because he at least told a good story in yeah. comparison to the 15 minutes of setup with that family in the first version that was set up for a really juvenile joke at the mm -hmm. end. That way he could just say Dasvidanya at the end. And what did this family, what was their purpose with the exception of Barry being able to do a joke at the end? So you know what, while yes, Zack Snyder is gonna do slow motion, at least he knows how to tell a story. And at least in terms of the through line of the story, it made sense. Sorry, Alexa. <laughs> I, I actually agree with that. Um... I preferred the introduction of uh, Barry Allen in the Snyder Cut because it actually gives a meaningful backstory. Um, with that being said, however, one, um, f I'm okay with the fact that like it's not really um, the or the real origin story of Iris, where like she's known Barry her entire life. That's fine, whatever. I can get past that. Um, my issue is how kind of creepy Barry was. He, <laughs> while running in slow motion, while entering the pet store, he's staring at this woman he hasn't even talked to yet. And they're just staring at each other. And he's staring at her while he's quote unquote saving her. Like there's a point where she, he's just letting her fly and he's just staring at her. And I find that a little creepy. It but is on a little top vertigo. That, it, it is a little vertigo esque. It's a Hitchcock. Movie. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, Alexei is absolutely right. There is yeah. sort of messed up male gaze. You know, Alexei, you're not wrong. Well, I think, I think there is also there is also the implication just in, in Ezra Miller's mannerisms and the way he's chosen to portray the character that Barry is does have some form of Asperger's or something like that. that could, right. That I mean, could, yeah. I, I think because uh, I'm it's like uh, there it, you can take it in either direction either it is this weird like superiority male gaze uh moment or it's just Barry being the way this Barry is because he's maybe very awkward slightly, maybe, he, maybe he's very on the spectrum right exactly he's he is right. very awkward around everyone except for Bruce Wayne and even with regards like he's very awkward with Alfred um Except for Bruce Wayne and Cyborg, in general, he's an awkward guy. Um, he doesn't really act in the way, even someone like, like Peter Parker in the MCU, young superhero, right? Obviously, massive nerd, um, very, very kind of a, a bit overwhelmed with the responsibility he has, but he's also very socially adept, I'd say. He, he handles himself well when amongst... Um, these other, you know, major players in the universe. And it's not that Ezra Miller can't handle himself. Ezra Miller's a phenomenal actor, and he's a much more seasoned actor than Tom Holland. I think he's chosen to play the character in a way where the Flash isn't nearly as comfortable um, socially as someone like Spider-Man. Uh, that's the way I interpreted that. But let's say, keep going. Yes. Um, I can get behind that, and that's fine. Um, but if again, uh, Jordan brought up this point of sort of um, being more realistic, um, I found that that scene sort of contradicted itself at the same yeah. time. We have his shoes disintegrating, but his clothes are fine. Um, we have sort of one thing that really, really bothered me is 
Well, we have the whole reason for the accident is this truck driver drops a hamburger and spends two oh. minutes trying oh to pick my. it up, which no <laughs> one driving in a major city, oh. especially if you're licensed do. to drive a truck, would ever yeah. do. And secondly, which might happen in real life, but Iris starts the car and starts driving while staring at someone and not focusing on the road, which I don't think many people do. Um, and also the fact that we have this sporadic lightning shooting around, but somehow Barry is able to start sitting in the middle of all these puppies, feeding them a hot dog, yet there's no damage to them. But right. there is damage to the store. So I don't know. Yeah. Now there's definitely some uh, some logic bending moments uh, in in that scene. One of the other big things I thought about the Flash, which was literally completely cut from the uh, in this in the Whedon cut, um, there's a line. I think it's when Barry first meets Bruce, or it's in that first fight in the Gotham sewers. It's one of those two scenes. Mm-hmm. Barry makes some joke where he says, "Look, I'm just a skinny Jewish kid from Central City." Very throwaway line, big joke, but to me. I, I had to pause the movie and replay it to make sure I heard that correctly uh, because that makes this iteration of Barry Allen not only the first Jewish version of the character, but the first Jewish superhero ever on screen. And and to me... Well, thought, that's hey, not true. We have that's Ragman. not true. Who, who's Ragman. on screen? Ragman. Was Ragman? And, okay, all right, fine. Fine. And, well, this Jewish superhero in, in a... In a uh, feature film them and remember Wanda Maximoff and Peter Maximoff or Pietro Maximoff both had their Judaism removed because they couldn't get Magneto. But, but one um, can consider now this is a whole other podcast whether or not you consider Magneto to be a hero or anti-hero in first class. Well, I think uh, for me at least he's, he's an anti-hero. Um, yeah, I, I think. Uh, I am an anti-hero. Okay, so Barry Al- this Barry Allen is the first ever superhero on the big screen um, who's Jewish. And for me, that was a big deal. Um, what really surprised me is, A, that that entire thing was just cut from the weeding cut, like completely with no mention of that. We'll get to some obviously. of the problematic, we'll get to some of the problematic yeah. issues. Next week. Right? Josh I thought- and, and race. Next yeah, week. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get more of that next week. Um, but, but that 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 line combined with Barry's scenes with his father to me really brought out the human aspects of the character. Where so, they, you know, he, yeah, so go ahead. So and I know because we're about to we have to wrap up this this pod soon. It's so funny. We might be three <laughs> sessions for this one. Um, it's getting back to something else, right? In terms of things that we're lacking. So getting on to the next superhero, Wonder Woman. So Wonder Woman in the last one, there were so many cringe worthy things Mm. that they did in the first version of that movie that I sat there and as the father, (laughs) I sat there and said, I don't want to show my daughter this. Yeah. And it was gross. Meanwhile, and I'm not saying they got the character 100% like right. And with the exception of the fact that she obliterated that guy in front of 
Oh. Right, that, that's, that's traumatic scarred an entire which, class of kids. But you know what? At the end of the day, it still made me laugh, so it was fine. <laughs> well, I mean, it made me laugh for the wrong reasons. I mean, right, she, no, she, she, no. she brutally kills, like, five Completely. guys in front of a bunch of five-year-olds. And then she's Completely. like, do you, what do you guys want to be when you grow up? Completely, <laughs> Completely made, me, made me laugh for the wrong reasons. Um, other than that, <laughs> and the whole... I wish that the Amazons could have found a more, you know, um, a better way to, sing, to way, signal the invasion. Effective than way firing, to signal her. Right. Than, than firing an arrow across the world. Right. Hit, I don't know, a plane, right. a bird, right. a strong gust right. of wind. Other than those two things, what I liked the most about Wonder Woman, I thought um, the portrayal was great. It was consistent with the first movie, which yes. apparently, once again, we'll talk about this next week was Gal Gadot's problem with what Joss Whedon was doing because she was like, no, this isn't consistent with the movie I just shot. What are you, and you're changing it. And, and what I loved was Wonder Woman was a complete boss. Now listen, yeah. say what you will, the scene where she killed Steppenwolf was completely, the way they did it was completely <laughs> gratuitous, but I'm sorry, it was amazing. No, it was great. I, I, was, I was all in. I completely jumped up and I was like, do it. And, and I was, I, I really liked, I thought that the Wonder Woman stuff was so much better because it was such a problem in the yeah. movie. It was gross. And this was like, okay, like I said, with the exception of the fact that she obliterated that guy, that <laughs> she probably could have taken him out a different way, which was still funny. And I still enjoyed it for different reasons. I thought that it was great. <laughs> well, I think for me, Zack Snyder very clearly wanted to make superheroes more of a mythological thing, right? Yes. There is a ton of religious imagery throughout Justice League and Batman v Superman and Man of Steel. Uh, Wonder Woman literally learns about Darkseid from a religious temple. There's a yeah. ton of that, of, yeah. of that mythological stuff in these movies. And I, think, I think Zack Snyder did a great job of making Wonder Woman and The Flash more mythological than they mm -hmm. usually are in these kinds of films. I think Wonder Woman in particular really embraces the Diana aspect of her character mm -hmm. in Justice League. Um, I think at times Zack Snyder does go a bit far with it. I think once you push too much into the god or goddess realm, you do lose what makes superheroes so relatable. Um, but I think overall, he he did do a good job of showing that she isn't human. She's like Victor, Barry Allen, uh, and Batman are all at their core human. Even though Victor and the Flash have extraordinary abilities, they're still human. Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman are not human in any respect. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, oh, except Aquaman is obviously half human, but like you, you got the point. Well, I thought that was really interesting. He made he really brought out the mythological part of her character, which was an interesting take, and it was one I really enjoyed. Um, yes, let's so wrap it up week, here. So yeah, so I next week just, next week we'll do Aquaman um, and Superman. Yeah, we'll do Aquaman, Superman, and just kind of a more general discussion of the plot. Some some very cool scenes, uh, and just we'll give our final grades. And then the week I, after that, we will discuss all of the, or we may take a break and do Falcon Winter Soldier, but at some point soon, we will then discuss all of the Joss Whedon 
drama yeah. in the behind the scenes of, of the movie. 100%, 100%. But it's so interesting how we got to some of it just in terms of the things that were corrected. Yeah. Goodness. It's hard right. to even see it. We'll see people next week. <laughs>